to Think Kingdom Podcast. I am Marcus Looney, the Creative Arts Director here at Think Kingdom. We have another new message entitled Real with God. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us with our resident pastor, Ramon Belagamba. So every year um, coming up around this time, that first Sunday in May, there's usually a big event that happens in Kentucky called the Kentucky Derby, where it's like an annual kind of like rite of passage almost for spring in America, where people start um, wearing different colors and coming out with the hats and excited about the Derby. And way before the Derby takes place, that big event, um, there are horses that have to be trained. And horses that have to be prepared by their trainers to deal with that big mass event. So even though this year it may not be 155,000 on that first Saturday in May at the racetrack, horses still need to be trained to deal with the distraction. So the trainers generally put blinders on a horse And they train with these blinders to help them have focus for that big day. And during these weeks that lead up to Easter Sunday, many would call a time of season of Lent. It's a time of focus and preparation for us to remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. It's a time of restoring broken hearts. It's a time of restoring divided hearts. And it's a time, as we spoke about last Sunday, that we need to seek whole hearts. And these psalms that we are preaching through leading up into Easter are being preached to help bring our heart's greatest longing back to our risen king. To help us reorient to our great need for and the truth of the gospel for daily living. And the reality of it is, is we can't grow in Christ without a glance at the cross every day. And for us to pick up our crosses and for us to truly live as the resurrection people that God has called us to be, that special people. And the main point of today's message is that we realize, I want y'all to realize that we must be real with God, place our hope in Christ, and call others to do the same. That we must be real with God, place our hope in Christ, and call others to do the same. And we do this by being real with God about our sin, about our hope, and about sharing Christ. And you ask, how can we be real with God? First, we must tackle first how we are real about our sin. So to unpack this psalm, I got to give you a little bit of context for you to to help you grasp kind of what the psalmist is telling us in Psalm 130. So this psalm is seen generally as a song of ascent, a song of Zion. It's a pilgrim psalm. And throughout church history, it's been known to be a psalm of confession. It's one of the seven psalms of confession. 
And in this Psalm 130, the psalmist is showing us a picture of what authentic confession to God looks like in these verses. It's a reminder that the psalmist is telling us that we are out of our depths, that we need the gospel, that we could just not come up to a holy God. So the psalmist is is crying out to God as a believer who knows his need is, is still great and he can't do it in his own strength. And the psalmist is crying out like Jonah, like Jonah cried out in the belly of that whale that you could read in Jonah too, that they understand the depths of their sin and they understand their separation for God. And they, they know that they can't get any closer to him. So the psalmist is sharing a deep need for God. And he's letting the world know only God can do it in these first four, four verses. So this, this Psalm 130 is, is seen as a psalm of individual lament. And it's not easy for us, especially in the culture that we live in, to actually lament. Like we have so much going on around us, so much information thrown at us, that a lot of times we don't get the process properly before the next event occurs. So we may lament with a moment of outrage, but never truly lament how God calls us to lament in the moment. So this, this, and also this is a song too. So when you read through the Psalms, you have to remember that these are songs. So this is a song of lament that was sung by the people of Israel on their way generally to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and the other two annual festivals. And these words reminded the people of Israel that they wasn't all that in a bag of chips. It reminded them that, yo, we have a deep need for God, that we are desperate without God. Amen? So you look at verse 3. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, who could stand? So this question right here, this wasn't a trick question. This wasn't no aha moment question. This was rhetorical. To remind us that, straight up, you guilty before God. And we, we kind of heard that before. Like, Apostle Paul has said this to us. If we turn our Bibles to Romans 3.23, he lets us know quite well. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the psalmist doesn't leave us hopeless. And the gospel doesn't leave us hopeless. But in verse 4, the psalmist says, but with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. So when that word revered, that means so that you may be honored as you are our God. That we give you our whole heart and that in gratitude to you, we walk in obedience. And how can the psalmist say this verse so plainly or sing this verse so plainly? It's because Moses, Moses, he said it before in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God. 
slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love and truth. Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiven inequity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's inequity on the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. So reading verses like this, it should lead our hearts to worship. As we know that God's oh so merciful and gracious to us. And that we realize that God's grace is truly greater than all of our sins. So this doesn't mean that we just keep on sinning and sinning. Uh Uh-uh. Paul has told us, absolutely not. Because God's people are known to be the holy ones of God. Come on, saints. Beloved, with that divine forgiveness that the psalmist is talking about to his audience, at the end of verse 4, that's the same divine forgiveness that is still here today. And because of that, God should be honored in our hearts and with our lifestyle. And that means a lot for us today, family. As the season of Lent should be a time we are growing deeper in our need for the good news of the gospel. Because we are honestly honest about our need for God. What I really want us to think through is like, what does it look like to be real with God? Of our deep need for him on the daily. So family, no matter how discouraged we are lately, we can remember that we can cry out like Joseph did when he sat out in that prison, falsely accused in Egypt because we know that we have a God who hears. That no matter how shameful our sin struggles are right now, that we can cry out like David did after his adultery and know that the Lord is faithful to forgive. This psalm is a reminder to us that no matter how beyond hope our situation seems that we can cry out like Mary and Martha at the death of their brother, Lazarus, and know that the Lord can and will redeem every situation. Amen? As honestly, if you are in Christ today, you can cry out like Jesus did on that cross, and you can wait for God to act. I honestly know that this ongoing pandemic has brought a lot of weariness to our hearts. But I want to, what I want to bring to your attention, like the psalmist is, is that when we're doing the hard work we need to do on the daily, we don't have to put up a mask for God. We don't have to be all cap, straight lying to God. Who are we fooling? For us to have true repentance, 
true life change, turning from our sin back to obedience to God, we have to daily confess our sins and our prayers to our God. This is what the Lord told us to do. So why do you think we could be different and go our own way? Where is that going to take us but destruction? Literally, a death. You may ask, when did Jesus tell us to confess our sin? Let's bring us to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 12. What does the Lord tell us to pray? And forgive us our debts, which is our sins, our iniquities, as we have also forgiven our debtors. So we are, the Lord is telling us, he knows that we're going to sin on the daily. He knows that we're not perfect. He knows that we don't have sinless perfection because we are not the Christ. So we have to be honest daily in our prayer closets. No masks, no filters. Mm -mm. That's the way of the world. Oh, talking about filters, filters. So, man, a whole industry has went so high because of Instagram filters. The plastic surgery industry is at an all-time high. Because people love to go onto Instagram and to filter their pictures. They may say, I don't like this color. I don't like the way I look. But when I put this filter up, I love the way this looks. So people are literally saying, going to plastic surgeons and saying, I want to look like this Instagram photo. Can you make me look like this? These people want to be perfect. They want to not have the imperfections that they are in. And for us, we are filtering what we say to God in our prayers most of the time. That we are not being who we are in all of our brokenness and confessing it to God. That we filter these prayers. That we don't tell our brothers and sisters so they can bear those burdens with us in prayer. How can we get back to a place of restoration, a place of wholeness, a place of walking with Christ with integrity if we're not real about our sin to our God. We can't. We can't continue to, 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 to use filters because that's not going to get us where Christ wants us to be in his image. So not only do we need to be real with God about our sin, we also need to be real with God about our hope. Verses 5 and 6. So the psalmist puts his cards on the table. He straight lets us know his hope is in the Lord. Not in himself, not in his idols. He straight up says, I'm going to rest in the promises of the Lord. And he is in his words singing that God is good. God is faithful. I'll trust and I'll wait on him. And he highlighted his words from verse 5 with a word picture. 
that like brings out the more the fullness for us when he said, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So anytime you read through the Old Testament and you see that the writer repeats anything with infinite emphasis, that lets you know that you need to, that they're stressing this point. That with this metaphor, the psalmist is letting his audience know that he is waiting with eager anticipation. The watchman usually worked the night shift and that he's talking about right here. And they always eagerly waited to the dawn because they know as soon as that dawn come, they was off that shift. They knew that relief was coming. They was ready to go home. And I know many of you know that joy of wanting to go home after a long day at work. So during the season of Lent, I want you to be honest about where are you placing your ultimate hope. Mm -hmm. These verses also show us that we need to be patient with our hope in Christ. The financial struggles many of us have had this last year. Praise the Lord for that STEMI and them other financial help that we've received from the, our government. But, but, big but, our ultimate hope can't be in the dollar. Our ultimate hope can't be in the government. Hmm. Self-justification is at the core of our fallen human nature. Don't place your ultimate hope in what you do for God. Because you can't justify your sin debt. Don't let your devotion become religious in nature. Because the reality of it is, family, we can't achieve our own salvation. Our righteousness can't be our greatest hope. We must always remember that we are out of the depths. And we need the righteousness that only Christ can provide. Because the reality of it is, beloved, we won't fail God. We always do. And that's why we have to be faithful to confess our sins and cry out to God. Place your hope in Jesus Christ. Wait on him. Imitate Peter after the resurrection, not Peter before the cross. Realize that the idol of security will let you down. Mm. That there is no amount of finances. That there is no bearing your arms with protection or any other protection. No religion or safety that can bring the lasting joy, faith, hope, and love that Jesus provides. 
Realize the idol of comfort can't bring you the redemption that our souls need. That no amount of pleasure, freedom, or health and wellness will redeem your brokenness. Our brokenness. Our quest for hope in this world, for love, for spirituality, for truth, and freedom, it's always going to fail people. Because the reality of it is, without Christ, all of that that these people are searching for and longing for is done in rebellion against God. They are nothing more than broken signposts that point to longing for God as waiting for the Lord is what we must do. The psalmist in this verses is telling us and he's pointing us to Jesus. Perfection, fulfillment, and resurrection are only found where? In Christ. He can only satisfy these longings. So if you are in Christ, please remember always that he has the last word. Don't let the darts of the enemy take over your mind. Don't let the rejection of the world and its system define you. Don't let your flesh get the best of you. And always remember, as we love to sing here at Think Kingdom, he is for you. So if you haven't placed your heart and life in the arms of Jesus, today, Jesus is calling you home. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus all muddy. The reality of it is Jesus wants you to get up out the mud. Let he who is the water of life clean you up and quench the thirst of your soul with his living water forever, forever, and forever. There is no hope in this life or the life to come without Jesus. I want you to know that you are loved, that you matter, that you are beautiful, and you are who he says you are. You don't have to live by the world's narrative no more if you haven't come to Christ. You can be free. You aren't perfect, and that's okay. Because God our Father wants you to come home. He wants to celebrate. And how can, how, preacher man, how can you say this with confidence? We got receipts. Let's turn to Luke 15, starting at verse 18. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. 
Move into verse 22. But father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring that fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of Ma was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So if you're here this morning and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, this is a picture of how you joining your life story to the story of God's love for his creation. This is a picture of what it looks like. And there will be an unseen celebration going on in heaven if you place your faith in Jesus today. For you, believer, if you have lost your way for a time, it's okay. The Father's love has, dis- has diminished as his compassions, they fail not. Return to the Father's love. Place your hope in his unconditional love. You were never perfect and you never will be unless Christ returns. But this doesn't mean you shouldn't be growing in the likeness of Christ our Lord. We in, we in heavy right now in the first two rounds of March Madness. And every year, except for last year, without fail, everybody makes brackets. Everybody thinks that they're going to be the first one to have that perfect bracket. And for any of y'all have been paying attention these last few days, you know that as of yesterday, there are no perfect brackets. So millions and millions of to one odds, people place their hope that they're going to win that tournament challenge. And how foolish that many people around us who are eternal souls just like us put faith that they don't need Jesus, that they, their life is going to be good enough that they will be able to be in the new heaven and new earth. Hmm. Why? Do people put their hope in themselves? So more foolish than that perfect bracket is the fool that thinks that they have enough righteousness for salvation before God. The reality of it is there's only been one God-man who lived a perfect life. And that God the Father could say, well done, that you could get through and be reconciled to the family of God through that one perfect life. And that you could have hope in God. The reality of it is, then kingdom, is that there are tons of people around us who are trying to live their lives like the same people that put hope in that perfect bracket. So the psalmist doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop and tell, yes, we must put, be real about putting our hope in God. 
But he doesn't stop there as he as you will roll it down in verses seven and eight. He's real about sharing, well, for us, about sharing Christ. So in these verses, the psalmist switches it up and he calls for corporate repentance. You see, it says Israel. He's calling for Israel to come back, come back home to God. He's calling for the post-exile Israel. So you know how dark it was during those times. That's post-exile. To return to their first love and to place God back on the throne of their hearts. He reminds us how unfruitful and unfaithful that their idols have been to the hearts of the nation of Israel. That they don't hear from God no more that this is a time of silence, that God is not speaking to them. As he says in verse 7, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. That there's plenty, plenty on plenty, The psalmist is pointing them back to the only hope in this world. He's pointing them back where faithfulness is unquestioned. And the only place that our brokenness can be redeemed. Just return, Israel. All your sins will be forgiven, he tells them in verse 8. Beloved, how is the psalmist charge to Israel any different than the charge that we have as a church to be salt in the world, salt and light in the world today? We just talked about this a couple weeks ago. And this is going to be, we have to remember that this is a constant call. This is our vocation. We don't just stop. We are continually calling people to Jesus. And what grander time do we have every year than when we lead up to remember the resurrector, the cross and the resurrection each Good Friday and each Easter Sunday. That that tomb is empty. That we have a risen king. And and what we see what the psalmist is doing, he's like, first, he's, he's calling the household of God back to Christ. So we've been on this, we've been through this pandemic for a while. And there's some people that they're not, that they say that they're with Christ, but they're not with their family. They're not with the church anymore. So we can't even think that calling back to God, calling to God is just for our neighbors only. We are, we actually got to call some believers back to Christ, our first love. And that's what the psalmist is reminding us. And then also we have to let our neighbors who don't know the risen king to know that the kingdom of God has entered into our world. And to find that salvation that their heart is longing for in Christ. People are longing for it in so many places. And we have to continually let the church and the world know how foolish it is for them to chase the idols of this world as they will never bring the salvation that their hearts long for. 
that there is no fountain of youth, that there is no money that long that can make up for all of our brokenness, that literally people cannot earn salvation by their own works or their own terms, but that salvation is found through faith in Jesus Christ alone and walking in response to that good news. So this week, I want you to read through Psalm 130. Please read through it all week. Just read through it. Thoughts that come to you, what the Spirit brings you from reading through it continually, continually. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Also, I'm calling you in your prayers that we really truly make it a daily practice that we confess wholeheartedly to God that we don't leave none of our messiness that we didn't bring to God. Whatever, whatever happened that day, we bring it all to God. And let us, I want y'all to know that, that we can also pray with confidence as well. That we can rest on Matthew 6, 12. That we can, we can rest on um, 1 John 1, 9. Because we know that what I told y'all from what Moses said, that that's the character of our God. Also, lastly, let us gospel one another in our conversation this week. Let us continually tell each other of the good news. Let us learn to be a, a congregation that actually has what you would call gospel fluency. That we constantly remember and meditate on the gospel daily. That'll keep us walking in, in alignment in the will of God. So, think kingdom. Can we be a people who are real with God? Real about our sin. Real about our hope. Real about sharing Christ with others. Because that is our call. Pastor Ramon with another heart check message. We must be real with God, place our hope in Christ, and call others to do the same. If you or someone you know is blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. We again want to thank all of our new friends turned families to Think Kingdom. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear this message, and so much more right here on the Think Kingdom podcast.